Hello, hello, and welcome. I'm Ryan. I'm Nick. And this is an Aliku Studios podcast. Um, we have been sitting here in the studio for the past, like, 40 minutes or so, uh, spitballing back and forth with what today's episode is about, uh, because <laughs> we kind of didn't put a lot of forethought into things. Um, I mean, we've both had fairly busy weeks. Yep. And we had a couple ideas on the back burner, and we kind of just started talking about them, and I told Nick to start recording. Yep. This is how guidance are born. Do you hate me, Nick? Do you despise me? No, I'm just kind of tired. Okay. I could use a coffee. <laughs> Why didn't we do that before? Um. Do you want this Yoohoo? I drank it. <laughs> no. Do you want Panopticon? Nope. I that's... have them in airplane form. I thought that was Panopticon. Oh, right. Who's this then? Dork. Darkwing Duck. <laughs> Panopticon is in two halves mode. This is all very thrilling <laughs> to the home listener. Uh, true believers will remember that there are a pair of shitty Transformers here in the studio. One of which is Panopticon, who is a space shuttle that splits in half. The other of which is Dorkwing Duck. <laughs> it's got worse as soon as we turn the mics on. Episode 26, True Believers. So two things that we were t- playing around with uh, was Nick has some kind of idea about Call of Duty as... You, you explain that. Okay, so it, it comes from an old discussion we have. I forget what episode. It was on the podcast at some point. Yep. We were talking about... I forget exactly what the topic was, but it came down to I like action puzzle games, like your your puzzle bobbles, your Tetris attack, or say your magical drops, um, something of that ilk. And sort of the idea that it might be because that is a... Uh, I think at the time we compared it to, let's say, like a StarCraft? Or, I think that, or or even like a like a, a couple of board games where there's like you know there's a lot of things about strategy, whereas the puzzle games are about becoming very good at one yeah. specific thing. It's about becoming skilled at a task. Yes, and then recently we had in close proximity the releases of Halo Four and Call of Duty, and Call of Duty is about one simple task, which is look at a dude, pull the left trigger, and pull the right trigger. Um, that might be underselling it a bit. There, they have a lot of. A bit weird tactical stuff like, you know, equipment and whatnot in that game. But in a, the end, it kind of comes down to that. But a bit more, Halo is now getting all of that sort of auxiliary stuff too. Yeah. I think the main difference is pace. Like the fact that a firefight lasts longer in Halo gives you more of an opportunity, gives the game more of an opportunity to get that other stuff involved. Whereas in Black Ops, in a Call of Duty, like even if you have picked these perks and have this special grenade and this ability someone can still put their sights on you and put three rounds in you and they did the thing. Yeah. I realized that I'm making an argument and then arguing back to your original point, but I just wanted to, I don't know. So, so, but yeah, like at some point I think, uh, when you look at it, it's because for a while I talk about how I don't like being dead for long stretches of times in games. Yep. Um, although that was more of a law complaint at the time. But, you know, that is sort of a valid point. But and, but also just, I think, you know, when you start having, you know, the vehicles, the mongooses, like, there's a lot of guns that put bullets in dude in COD. But then in Halo, you have, uh, like, fuel guns, you have rocket launchers, you have things that bounce, you have things that, like, like different projectiles with different behaviors. different. There's basically, Halo just has a bigger 
like opportunity space. Like there's yeah, yeah. much more interesting things that can happen, which again, you know, I've heard it as an argument against it actually. Really? People were like, oh, there's so much stuff to keep track of. I was trying to shoot a dude, but then some other guy was like in the side seat of a thing and they shot me the rocket launcher. And it was like, how was I supposed to keep track of that? And exactly. Like, if we were talking about StarCraft, that is the kind of complaint I would make. And yet, I like Halo more than I like Call of Duty. Yeah. So there's some sort of inconsistency going on, which means there's something that we have not uh, discovered here leading to that inconsistency. Like, I don't know if that's just in me or if there's something about these games that is not known that I just has led to this inconsistency that I've noticed. <laughs> just now. This isn't the original point we were trying to get to. This no. just turned up. No, like, this This isn't. Oh, okay. Basically. Okay. Just that, like, like when you look at, with different games, there's this idea of, like, being simpler is better. And then in other games, it's like, no, being more complex is better. Mm. And I can't tell what the difference is. I really, I kind of don't know. Yeah, because I actually thinking about it now, like, if I'm speaking idealistically, like, I could see myself saying something like, oh, you don't need a lot to make a good game. You just need one good mechanic, and you need to do it really well, and that's what you need to make a game. And then I take a step back, and I'm like, yeah, and that's a game that'll hold me for a good solid 20 minutes, and then I'll be done with it. Mm-hmm. That is an indie game. Yeah. Kind of. I still need to try Basketball. That is a... You know, an indie platformer with a retro aesthetic and an interesting gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> super, super Gentleman's Big Gun Adventure. What is that? There's a gentleman. He has an enormous a, gun. A very large gun. And he goes on an adventure. All right, fantastic. Yeah. It's got one mechanic. You shoot and it propels you the opposite direction you're shooting from. Okay. It's one of those games. Is this an iOS title? No, it was... I think it was on, like, Yo-Yo Games or something like that. Okay. Um, But it was kind of crazy. I'm down with that. Yeah. It also lasted about five minutes, and you were like, that was long enough. <laughs> it actually sort of like led me to think about puzzle games a bit more, especially since Magic yeah, yeah. Drop 5 just came out, so I was playing a game, and that game is like super simple. Yeah. And like... You rearrange bubbles. Yeah. But then you look at something like um, Tetris Attack, which I think is actually possibly... Like, like Tetris Attack and uh, Puzzle Fighter... And those might be, like, two of the most complex of the, like, gem match type games. Yeah? Uh, when you start considering chains and combos. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because, like, I'm trying to think, and, like, this may be entirely wrong, but, like, if, you know, if we just try to, like, break Tetris Attack into levels of complexity, mm. then, you know, COD would be the version where all you do is make matches of three. Like, that is more like a bejeweled. Like, yeah, you make it, matches of three all the time. This is something I, that just came to me. Um, the idea of, you know, breadth of options rather than depth of options. Yeah. Like, uh, like Kato would say, it presents you a fairly broad array of options, but they are all very shallow and very similar to each other. Mm. You know, you have, you know, you can go out with... All these different, you know, this huge range of different guns and grenades, and they all, like, you know, basically function to do the same thing. Yeah. Um, and, like, say Magical Drop, you know, you have the one thing you do of, you know, pull bubbles off the field, throw bubbles back on the field. Mm -hmm. But the fact that there's, you know, chaining and combos and stuff and all of the, 
I, I'm not an expert on, on Magical Drop. I'm trying to remember what Magical Drop plays like. See, that's the thing. Magical Drop is just you pull bubbles down. Yeah. As long as you're pulling the same color, you can pull... It might be unlimited. I've never reached the limit, whatever yeah, it yeah. is. But then is when you throw when you throw bubbles back and they make three in a row vertically, then those three and any of the same color touching it will break. I'm they take of- time to break... And then you can uh, set up another one, which will begin breaking at the end of the old one, and that's a combo. And that's really simple. I'm thinking of Puzzle Bobble, actually. When I'm trying to think of Magical Drop, I know very little about it, and so my brain is just filling in Puzzle Bobble. Okay. Um, well, I think I think Tetris Attack is like really a simple one to mm. sort of start mm. with, because it's just, you know, you, your one action is swap, swap, the place. swap two. Yeah. Um, there's Gravity. Um, they disappear when you match three, but there are patterns you can find to match up to five, right? No. With a pure swap, I think you can match up to seven. Really? Yeah. Wow. By basically, by making a T-shape. Uh, right. Okay. No, yeah, yeah. it's not. It's big. No. Yeah. It's seven. And then there's also fact there's, you know, blocks falling. There's timing because their Tetris attack has the bit of hang. Yes. Before things start to fall, right? Because you can still move things as blocks are disappearing. Um, so basically, like, while something is disappearing, you can still move stuff along to line it up. In certain... It depends on the version you're playing, because, like, there was uh, mm. Tetris Attack, the Yoshi-branded one, there was Pano de Pon, but those were both the SNES ones. There's Planet Puzzle League on the DS, there was Pokemon Puzzle League on the uh, N64, and there was probably a Game Boy one, I don't think I know that one. Um but like depending there were on various different rebalances and re-releases of the game. Yes. Um so, so it but in some versions of them and the one on the DS is one of them which we will refer to as the Z Prime edition. You can <laughs> swap bricks as they are falling. Really? Yeah. That is intense. Insane. Yeah. Does your cursor Will it stick to a brick as it's falling, or will it stay in position and bricks will fall past it? Like, fall through your cursor? Uh, bricks will fall through your cursor. Oh, jeez. Yeah, your cursor is aligned to the grid of the play field, yeah, not yeah. to any specific brick. Which is the way to do it! Yeah, yeah. Nothing should be moving your cursor except you. But But point being, like, the one simple mechanic of, you swap bricks! Mm. Like... There's a weird amount of depth to it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's almost sort of like what Bejeweled has done. Where, like, when Bejeweled was like, hey, we need more to this game, like, they started adding, you know, like, sort of more of the power gems that break blocks in different ways. Like, you know, all of the same in rows and crosses. Um, but then they started releasing other ones. So they started doing, like, the hexagon version. They did Bejeweled Twist, where you rotate groups of four. Oh weird! Um, Wasn't the uh, the Sega puzzle game like that? The one on the Dreamcast? The no Sega Swirl was like Breakthrough. Oh was, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I, it was another like uh, Berlin Wall themed game from like near the end of the DOS era. I forget what that one was called. Oh, I think that was Breakthrough. Um, but yeah, you know, you click a group and then the entire group will disappear. Mm. Um, oh right, like that. Yeah. Yeah. There was a I. I remember an implementation of that, of that, of that. We need to figure out the, we need to, there is a place in this world for a puzzle game mechanic genealogy infographic of some sort. Yep. Um, okay. Yeah. I have played that game on Neopets though. 
Okay, yeah. In my youth. Yeah, no, that game is everywhere. Like, that is yeah. kind of like... I'm pretty sure that was, like, one of the first games put out on... Because it's barely a puzzle. It's click on the big groups. I remember seeing it in a Linux-based touchpad computer before the iPhone. Jeez. Yeah. <sighs> it's a game that, that comes with Linux. That's the kind of basis, basic game that is. That and Frozen Bubble. Yeah. Love fucking Frozen Bubble. Oh, yeah. I left that on my... I was clearing out space on one of my USB keys, and it had Frozen Bubble on it. And I was like, no, I'm going to need Frozen Bubble wherever I am. Frozen Bubble is Snood, right? Uh, No, Frozen Bubble and Snood are Puzzle Bubble. Yeah. Yeah. I hate Snood. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. But you could get it on a calculator, and I guess that's kind of cool. <laughs> Snood. Yep. <laughs> so where were we? Was it making direct comparisons between... Puzzle Bobble and Call of Duty Black Ops 2. Well, well, breadth, breadth, <laughs> talking about like a breadth versus depth of options, I think is actually an interesting way to go with it because um, that might be the difference. Mm. It's just sort of defining, you know, what makes it deep, what makes it wide. Especially when you consider uh, another argument we've had was Call of Duty versus. And I think it was like Call of Duty and even Halo versus like an Unreal Tournament, where we talked about it in the sense of like, you know, no regenerating health, so you needed map control and mm. uh, no selection of weapons. Everything was on the field. And I, I think that was I think that was mainly a talk about um, regenerating health. But yeah, like the, the, there is another like set of options in a uh, in the Unreal Tournament world that. And I was on the side of that. So like. It was a different set of options. I don't know if we would define those as, you know, deeper or wider well, ones. Well, let's, let's take a step back. I would define the, the difference between depth and breadth as breadth being the amount of tools you have available to you and depth being the amount of different uses for each of those tools and how distinctly they are actually different from each other. See, I would actually do that the other way. Really? I, well, I would look at it as wide is like, you know, Things that function differently. Yes. And would have different uses. And depth is, you know, things that function mainly the same but have little, like, fiddly differences. Like, I would think COD is a deep game because every gun will put bullets in you, but some are faster, some are more accurate, some have less recoil, however you want to look at those. Okay. I, I suppose. Whereas in Halo, like, this one fires, like, slow projectiles that'll do a lot of push. This one puts bullets in dudes. Like, there's yeah. a, a much... Like, like Breath talks about, you know, kind of you end up, you know, turning around... Okay, and yeah, I, I see your different. point. There are more distinct differences yeah. between them. So it's a, a broader base of tools. Yeah. Because that's the thing. Like, I can't say I never bought into the idea that in a Call of Duty game, you know, different guns for different purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you're playing a lot of Blacklight. Like, it's either, like, you're using, like, you know, a light machine gun or some sort of combat rifle. Like, yeah. I feel like those are actually, like, your, your widest choice. It's like, do I want to put a lot of bullets and hopefully some of them will hit? Or do I want to do very few bullets and I just need to make sure that I'm putting them where I want them? Like, any game with, that only has, like, bullet-based guns, I feel like that yeah, gets yeah. to be your option. I mean, look at, look at the two main options for primary weapons in Halo. You have three different automatics and four different precision rifles. Yep. Beyond that, they mostly function the same way. And, like, Halo's doing it sort of weird because, if anything, they're actually bringing, like, Halo is now becoming more like an Unreal Tournament. Because even though, like, the guns you start with are different and are all the same, they do have that, you know, that width of usefulness. So you still have rocket launchers, you still have bouncy things. You just have to, 
you know, go around the map to collect them. Yeah. So, and, and well, you know. I mean, Halo has always been structured that way. I mean, I, I'd say, you know, with the loadouts and everything, that is more of a step towards COD style with, you know, everyone, you, you're not just given the same base weapons for every person. You know, you have more of a choice in your personal loadout, even if it isn't the same level as in like a code but like what they what like you know you are limited in what you're allowed to pick for your loadout yes so yeah there's a lot more to that game than what you can pick for your loadouts yeah um because it would be kind of nuts if people could just pick rocket launchers to start with yeah which i would do and that's how i play cod yeah i always pick a rocket launcher as my secondary now that i think about it well i mean if you're not running ghost and have a launcher for your secondary you're just wasting space for your team no i'm not get out no because Rockets are pretty good at scaring people, I found. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I won't even aim. I'll just pick... I'm, I'll saying, just pick that like you, a I'm saying that you should bring a rocket launcher. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. To shoot down UAVs. Yeah. No. To scare people. And nothing else. No, I gotta scare people. Just feel like, hey, do you like your head? <sighs> also in Halo, like, again, like, warthogs and ghosts are all different tools. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, so talking yeah, about, like, even the... even more of a breadth to the different kinds of tools you yeah. have. Um, you know, even talking about their holy trinity of, like, melee and guns and grenades. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like, those are all in Modern Warfare, but I feel yeah, they... Yeah. Like, they're weird, though. I'm, I'm, try- I'm trying to think right now, like, they don't feel the same. Like, it doesn't feel no, so no. much like a trinity. Well, I think an important distinction is that melee is always an instant kill in Call of Duty, mm. whereas to use it effectively in Halo, you have to, you know, soften up your target with one of those other things. You know, you either winged it, them with a grenade and flushed them out in the open so you could punch them to death, or emptied half a clip into them and then punched them, mm-hmm. or had a teammate emp them and then you punch them. I feel, I feel like maybe um, in Halo you can, like, all three are always viable options. Like, they will lead to different outcomes? Uh, not or... necessarily. I'm just saying, like, you're taking on a tank, you can shoot it, you can grenade it, and, and you can you punch can it. And you can punch it, yeah. And, like, like I'm just there thinking... There are a lot it. of cro- cross-map scenarios where grenading and punching are not really options, though. Yeah, but, but you know, compared to, like, a, a Call of Duty, like, I think grenades are kind of always, you know, unless you get really, really accurate, or you just aim for groups, like, kind of grenades are always for, like, sort of area control. Yeah, yeah. And then you have guns, and then... Like, why do you need a shotgun? Because you have a knife. Like, yeah. Whereas in Halo, it's just like, no, I'm going to use well, all shotgun, three of these all the time. The shotgun is to kill people who are trying to knife you. Yeah, I don't know. But then you know, I never. There's I, only one kind of person you can kill. I could never figure out how to use like entire classes of weapon in Call of Duty. Yeah, like I never figured out how to use the light machine guns because it was just like, well, I could just have an assault rifle, which. Like, yeah, I can't fire for 10 continuous seconds, but I can just put, you know, five bullets where I need them to be and kill a guy. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, like I use a light machine gun because I found it. it's like, all right, if I just put, like, a scope and a handle on it and extended mags, well, those are more for fun, but... You can't put three attachments on it. I know. <laughs> but it was always something like, well, that's the thing. Like, I love extended mags because they're so yeah, ridiculous, yeah. but it's like, no. Just put, like, a red dot and a handle, and now you just point it at something... And you can shoot that thing. Yeah, yeah. And, like, well, why would I even use an assault rifle? I never need to reload this gun. 
This gun will stay full until after uh, I am dead. That was always the best when you got like the big box extended extended clips, and it was just like, yeah, fits your entire ammo reserve. Yeah, whatever, just three hundred rounds. There yeah. you go. That was fantastic. But like, like there were like the, there were only a few situations where I found that didn't work, and it was ma- mainly when I already got sniped. Yeah. Um, and I'm just bad at recognizing dudes from that distance. Like, like, kind of just you know, like any other gun, you sneak up on a dude and it works. But yeah, yeah. Like, you know, at that point, well, you can already do. You know, you're already sneaking up on a guy. It doesn't matter what gun you have. You're yeah. going to be able to put a couple of shots into him and make him fall down. But again, so. Like, there is that sort of difference in, like, the option space. Emergent gameplay. Yes. Uh, I want to say that they're, like, when you have that wider space, it gives a better opportunity for that. Because hmm. you've never seen anybody, you know, Halo, we have, like, tons of videos, like, somebody getting winged with a Spartan laser on a mongoose and then just flipping over 200 times and splattering into somebody else. Yeah, yeah. You don't get that in <laughs> Call of Duty. I got, well, I mean, you do sometimes when it's, like, the start of the round, someone just wings a tomahawk into the air, and it just arcs just right to hit that one corridor that people rush through at the beginning of the round and scalps a dude. Yeah. But but again, like... like but you never, like... I think there's a lot more crazy cool things that could be done in Halo. Like, there are yeah, crazy yeah. cool things to be done, but there's way more, yeah, you, like... You never stick a grenade right to the, the one wing on a ghost that causes it to spin around into a group of three other enemies and get a multi-kill. It's almost the difference between I never thought I would see that happen to I never imagined that that could happen. And then where was UT on that field? Because I still feel like UT is sort of like the third in some sort of trinity here of like Halo, COD, and UT. In Unreal Tournament, like, you stick a bunch of grenades to the front of your hellbender and then run it into a tank. Mm Mm-hmm. But I feel it's something that's even, you know, in the, like, the non-vehicle modes. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, well, I, mean, I, I think because there was that sort of, like, you know, functional variance to the weapons. You have flat cannons, you have grenade launchers, you have miniguns, you have you have bullet weapons and projectile weapons and things that are all very different from each other. Um, I, I think you have... Power-ups. Yeah, yeah. There, there's something about power-ups about, like, you know, changing the way the game works for a short term. I th- Okay, consider this. I think there is a certain extent... In in Unreal Tournament and other older games of that ilk, of part of the skill of that game is controlling the probability space through map control and denying weapon pickups and controlling power-ups and whatnot mm. is sort of controlling what you allow the enemy to have access to. I was actually about to say the exact opposite thing. Really? Because, like... I think, you know, one of the most interesting things about COD is the killstreak rewards. Okay. Because those are, like, the most interesting things. Yeah, Because, yeah. you know, when you start having, like, microwave lasers and turrets and yeah. things that really function differently from a dude with a gun. Yeah, yeah. Um, but consider that those are skill-based. Skill rewards? Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they are skill merit. And, like, the thing is, like, it is easy to deny those not by, not by, like, it doesn't matter if you're bad as long as somebody is better than you, you may not get those. Yeah. Like, like even though everybody has, everybody is able to get kill streak rewards. Like only the best players will get them. Yeah. Um. I feel like in in called I feel like in Black Ops Two they've actually done something to adjust that a little bit. Uh. I maybe in three there were actually three different 
modes of rewards that you could get. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them was the offensive tree that you had to get kills over the course of one life. One of them was a support tree where kills over... It didn't have to be continuous in one life. It would be over multiple lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was a one where you didn't actually get kill streak rewards. You just set up a tree of perks that would activate as you got kills. Hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if the same sort of support, like you don't need to do it over the course of one life thing, is in Black Ops, though. I, I, I honestly don't know. I feel like I heard that there was one of the, like, you know, tracks over multiple lives kind of things. Okay. Um, I got to play PlayStation All-Star Royale demo, too. Oh, yeah? I, which I had some stuff to say about that, but it's not much beyond it's not good. Yeah. Um, but with the reasons for it. Um, so in UT... Like there is like there can be that aspect of map control, but at the same time, like if whoever is denying pickups mm-hmm. like is distracted or doesn't get to do that anymore, like anyone can get those pickups. Yeah, yeah. It it, it almost cre- like I feel like there's been a lot of games of, of COD where there's you know like somebody is doing well and then he continues to do well and everybody recognizes him as like doing well and like. Like you, once you know the names and you see how things are shaking out, you're like, okay, this is the dude I need to watch out for. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, you know, if something is on the map and everyone has equal opportunity to get it, it's almost random based on like you know spawn times and positions and when a firefight is taking place. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, some dude that you forgot was playing could roll in with you know a quad damage and a keg of health and yeah, suddenly yeah. just start messing things up. Like, there is a, you know, there there's it's but it's not random like like it's not everybody getting messed over like somebody's coming out on top sometimes because they lucked out but you know there's also a chance that like you know you lucked out you have a boost you know you know this luck is going to help you and it helps everyone equally because you know everyone it is available to anyone it doesn't skew to be more likely to get worse players or anything like that it's not it's not a rubber banding mechanic um but it's still skill based. Like you could have quad damage, but if you can't hit anything, you're yeah, still yeah. It, it's still wasted. So there is a sense of like you know, like no, somebody can be bad enough that it will not even help them theoretically. Hmm. Um, like I feel that's COD, or that's not COD. That's like COD doesn't have that sense of like certain things anyone will have. Halo has it a little bit. Yeah. Um. It's actually kind of a weird split between, like, you you have the personal ordinance call-downs that are, they're not even based strictly on kills. It's simply uh, points over the course of the match, which Mm -hmm. you get from any medals, including, like, assists or, like... You know, if you kill a guy, but also you killed him while relo- while he was reloading, mm-hmm. like, that's more points from that metal, so it charges up the thing faster. Um, so that's, like, sort of constantly going on. And I have had matches where I had not done very well at all and never got any of those, mm-hmm. but you still have stuff that comes down just naturally on the map. Yeah. Um, but it's infrequent enough that it's not something that needs to be constantly controlled. It's just kind of like, it's here now. Whoever gets it, gets it, you know? Yeah. I mean, at that point, you know, there's an idea to play with of... There's been this shift of, like, you know, you have constant health and weapons respawn to, you know, there are, like, limited weapons and your health respawns. Yeah. That's strange. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure how that's, like, shifted the... If, If anything, what that's done is it's created a sort of maybe a deeper 
space because like you can come back from more but as time goes on like the interesting things that will happen around the map go down mm. um, because there there's less you know everyone who's coming into the game brings one them their own set of which wait hold on which, which does uh yeah no like it, ha- it still has to be like you know kind of halo only where there are drops but um it does give a sort of pacing to the game when when this is the case because like as as the game goes on sort of the state changes and like it has a different feel it's like okay you know now we're getting down to the nitty gritty of the fights whereas you know in UT like you know because everything because the state of the world is staying the same like you know how many servers were like you know 90 minute maps Look at the specialist. How many of those were like the same map for like, you know, three hours yeah. at a time? Yeah. And it's like, you know, any spot of this could be with anywhere else. And I could see that as, you know, something that would get to a couple of people where it's like, I'm doing the same thing over and over again. I'm doing the same thing. But then how many people have prestige many multiple times? Yeah, in I, I think so... the, the main sort of difference is, well, no, no, I, I think I can see why that shift has been made in terms of... Not not like a marketing thing, but just sort of it changes the way that, you know, the player interacts with the game and the game interacts with the player, you know, by allowing the player to choose like, you know, this is my loadout. These are my items rather than having to, you know, you know, if they like the flat cannon, but they may or may not get the flat cannon, mm-hmm. you know, it it's a more in, not empowering, but you have a more concrete decision to make of like no this is the thing i like and i have it yeah like you like know? it gives you some comforts that way yeah, you yeah. know if you're dying all the time you're like well at least i don't have to work back up again well, yeah. that's something that ut definitely had like if you have every weapon and then you die you need to work back up mm. um instead they've put that work back up which into you know the 40 hour loop around multiple multiplayer matches but you know even though now sort of like the game as a whole has sort of a story progression to it, a narrative mm-hmm. progression of building and, and developing. Like, it's come off of the sense of lives. I used to used to think about, like, oh, I'm having, like, a really good life. I've gotten all of this. I've yeah. gotten this power-up. Yeah. And, like, you still have that now, but, again, like, I don't really consider that I've had a good life in a game of Call of Duty. It can happen in a game of Halo. Like, you know, mm-hmm. this is, but it's because, like, no, this is the one where well, I got I mean, the Spartan laser yeah, and yeah. made this happen. If you just stick around, like, if you get, you know, a good killing streak in in Call of Duty or whatever, it's like, oh, yeah, that's when I killed, like, five people, and then I called down a turret, and then, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's not like you developed any, it's not like you got any new tools or anything over the course of that life like it's always the same constant you know your loadout you're never getting anything over the course of it aside from killstreak stuff i'm not sure what i'm trying yeah no like looking at like there is sort of a progression to each life still anyway but even then it's the same you know three tools that you've picked for your killstreaks or whatever yeah you know it's always this constant thing and it's what you've chosen for yourself so there is some kind of it's about like like agency to that there's, a, there's an idea of, like, there's a pre-programmed best life. Yeah. Whereas the, there's not a space of, like, you know, I... Uh, again, the difference between, like, you know, I didn't think I would ever see getting to the new killstreak reward versus I never imagined that in this life I mm. would get one of these and yeah. use it like this. Like, again, I think that's another sort of interesting distinction we can make. Or use again. Yes. Yeah. 
real quick. Okay. Talking about the idea of like a trinity of shooter games of like COD, Halo, and UT, which I'm sure that needs to be redone because now I'm thinking where does Action Quake fit? Yeah. And where does Specialist fit? I mean, this is your construction. I've got no part in this, but go on. Well, I mean, that's my question. Like, I thought I had a sense on this. It's like, oh, yeah, there's three kinds. Like, no, there's not. No, there's not. But I, I could see, I could almost see Specialist as being like a COD sort of game. It is. But again, like, there are power-ups. Well, j- again, just in the sense of like, you know, there's not a big breadth of options. There's a, a big depth of options. There's a lot of little fiddly different ways to get guns. Mm-hmm. But all guns, you know, are all bullet-based. See, but this actually takes it back more to like the puzzle game. If anything, like you want to say, maybe it almost comes back more to like a more Mega Man style of action. It, explain. Forget the Mega Man part. Go back to the puzzle game part, because you had in Specialists, your yeah. actions were more limited, or, or were kind of limited, because you had put like limited compared to Halo. Because Halo, yeah, you yeah. have lots of different tools. Specialists, you have guns that put bullets in people, and you can kick. You have kicking, you have wall jumping, you have the slow-mo. Like, there are tools yeah, tools yeah. that don't really change, tools that you have, but tools that you find interesting ways to put them together. Mm. Which, this is what I, what I think about puzzle games. Because, like, you know, like again, like I think the Call of Duty style of that puzzle game would be, like, if you're just, you know, who can make matches of three better and faster. Yeah, so, yeah. like, a, almost like Bejeweled Blitz, I guess. Um where it's just, you know, competitive, really simple version of it. Mm. But, you know, looking at something like Tetris Attack or Puzzle Fighter, you start looking about, like, you know, building your own sense of risk and reward. There's, mm. like, there are not many mechanics. The mechanics do not change. They're not actually that wide. But there is more more ways that they, they, they have been constructed in such a way that they fit together more interesting. It's like, it's like, okay, I can make a match of seven that change into a match of four that change into a three. I can go over here and I can put... You can get 10 at once. Yeah? No. Okay, but that's like... So it also depends on whether you're matching one or two colors at once. Because I think it's like... It's like if you have two different colors, you can make a 7 with one and then a 5 with another and yeah. actually get 12 out of it. But that's across two different colors. But it'll still count that as a match of 12. Okay. I've played a lot of Tetris Attack in my time. Yep. But like I feel Specialist was more about that. Like you had, you know... Everyone was pretty equal in what they could do. Yeah, yeah. And it was sort of about interesting ways to put them together. Like, you know, who's going to jump, who's going to kick. And it was gonna... still, I think there was, it was more about being able to use, you know, those skills well. Like, I was never good at Kung Fu. Yeah. But there were people that were so good at Kung Fu that they didn't bring guns. Yeah. Because they were just really good at, you know, the movement options that you had and jumping up in the air and spinning around real fast. Yeah. But like, like, okay, but but so here's the I thing. I think there was a, a deeper sort of skill variance possible there. Is there, is it fair to say that the way things interact in Call of Duty is, like, that is a very small space? Because, like, it's kind of just you put things in dudes and they yeah, die. Yeah, I mean, the, the most interesting thing that happens is sometimes you shoot a car and yeah. the car explodes. But But I mean, like, that, like... Because, again, like, then you go to something like Halo, and it's like, you know, I can kill a dude, or, like, you know, this mongoose, which I use to drive, I could kill a dude with that. There's more interesting things that can happen. I don't know, like, what the most interesting space becomes. I saw a dude get in a ghost that his teammate stuck a sticky detonator to, 
And then when he got boarded, he detonated it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never imagined that that would happen. Yeah. Like, I saw the sticky detonator, and I never was able to use it very well. And I was like, oh, I figure that's probably just, like, really useful in King of the Hill or Capture the Flag and not much else. Like, if you're going to use it for an anti-vehicle thing, like, the plasma pistol is probably just as functional for that, and you can spawn with it. Mm -hmm. But then I saw this happen, and I was just like, oh, okay, there's a use. Mm -hmm. It's a very weird fringe use. I imagine it wasn't actually a good investment of that dude's time to, like, stand around and watch that ghost get boarded and rather than just shoot dudes. But it happened, and it was very interesting. It's interesting, and it's interesting in that fun way. Yeah. Uh, again, it's like, you know, Call of Duty is sort of based around, you know, get better at this simple thing. And so, so, so that's the question. Like, then how do we do it where you make something where it's, like, very simple setup, but, or, like, very, like, very you know, narrow like tool set but then there's a lot of interesting things that can be done this is why i mentioned mega man before yeah because you know you honestly have... i thought of i i thought of super meat boy as you were saying that but it doesn't yeah. really fit the bill i think no it kind of does no because they're they're very limited states in super meat boy it's like you're either running and jumping or doing well or you fucked up and you're dead I mean, you really need to break it down in Meat Boy because since it's all movement, it's like, what are my movement options? And yeah, it's, yeah. It's running, jumping, you do have air control, you have wall jumping. And if it, like, in a weird way, like, the challenge in that is, yeah, I really like Super Meat Boy, actually. As another game of, like, here's one simple thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, like, it's one simple thing. It's like, it's just moving, but, you know, you do have a number of options in moving. And it's a lot of it is about um, dust force. Okay, like like I think there's going to be sort of uh, an, like another comparison because there's a bit more movement options in dust force. Mm. Um, but and you, I mean, there are attacks in dust force as well. Like that's yeah. But so so that's the thing. Like they've made it wider. Mm. There's wide tools and deep tools, and then there's deep possibilities. So so like in <laughs> like in playing dust force. <laughs> versus Meat Boy. Like, Meat Boy, there was always a thing of, like, oh, you know, they have this, you know, one mechanic of moving and how it moves, and now they're going to do more interesting things that I have to move around. Mm. Whereas in Dust Force, because there is attacking, because there is ways to run on the ceiling and, yeah, yeah. you know, air dashing and stuff like that, sometimes I feel that, you know, that game is, like, really, really good, but sometimes it feels like, okay... It is clear that, like, they want me to change something specific here. It's not, mm. you know, it's not about figuring out a new way to use what I already have. It's about remembering what else I have and figuring out which they want me to use here. Yeah, yeah. Like, it is, it is less about, again, emergent gameplay and yeah. more about, you know, just the wider gameplay. Like, D Dust Force is right on the edge because, like, there still isn't that much. And it's actually still very simple. And if it ran better, I would play a lot more of it. Um, and they have optimized it since it first came out, and it probably is better than Meat Boy. But at the same time, like they do this... shots fired. But but at the same time, like it could have you know the chance to be better than Meat Boy. But mm -hmm. the thing is, for what Meat Boy does when they start, you know, or even like N, like mm -hmm. Meat Boy and N are very nearly identical. Yeah, I suppose. And I never got very far in Meat Boy, so I never encountered. Are there more? Is there more variety to the hazards than saw blades and holes? Um, so there are missiles, 
which is actually I was thinking about the like tracking missiles just like there are in end. Oh, okay. This I did not know. And a lot of butt sauce. Okay, because I would sometimes say that... holes are filled with lava. Yeah, yeah. And there is which uh... are functionally identical to holes. Yeah, and then there is salt, which is functionally identical to buzzsaws. Do not touch salt. Slug boy. Can yeah. Captain N touch salt? Because uh, he is not... Wait, Captain N? Nope. The Ninja. Capital N Ninja. I was, no, I was thinking of uh, the, the Bit Trip Runner. Can the Bit Trip Runner touch salt? I don't I don't know. see why it would not affect him. Did you know that in Captain N, the Nintendo thingy... Commander like, Video is Bit Trip Runner. By the way, Commander Video. Okay, there was like their rendition of Paperboy was like some kind of weird commentary on like it. It involved classism and immigration and stuff. Like the Paperboy was a like a young Latino immigrant who was immune to the mother brain's mind control because he was illiterate. What? This was in Captain and the Video Master. That's... I just learned about this today. Great? It's weird. See, that's demonstrating <laughs> a wide emergent gameplay space. Is it? Yeah. Because who would think that being illiterate would make you safe from Mother Brain? I never would have imagined that. So the other thing is that um, I want to play an MMO with a real sense of mystery and discovery like they have in the animes, but I don't know if it can exist. That's a topic for a later date, though, I think. It can't because of the internet. Yep. Somebody will record it on a wiki. Yep. But then it comes down to, like, the player's choice of, like, no, I'm going to choose to remain ignorant of it. But then you have sort of the that illusion breaks when you see other players in the MMO, you know, talking about stuff and knowing about stuff and whatnot. I mean, you want to talk about it like, I think it was Old Republic that was having this problem. It's a trade-off. Either, you know, you can have this sort of big story and have some of this mystery and stuff, but either it's going to be broken by the fact that everyone is just standing around it, waiting for yeah, the next yeah. wave of it to spawn, or it's going to be empty and then why are you playing an MMO? Well, in in the terms of putting a, a single-player-like storyline experience in, in an MMO, you also have the problem of, you know, everyone running around is the chosen one or whatever. Yeah. You know, everyone has, you know, every Sith warrior has gone through the same shit for whatever reason, and they're also the only person that could have saved everyone and done that shit. Yep. Except they couldn't have saved everyone because they're the Sith warrior. They're the only one that could have punched all those orphans. Yep. And in their canon, they are the only one that did. But everyone has their own canon. Yep. I don't know. MMOs are weird. Can we do... That's a conversation for another time. Procedurally generated storylines. Have you played Progress Quest? Yes, that does not count. Those are not (laughs) storylines. Sure they are. Nope, they are quest lines. Oh, okay. A quest line is a series of MacGuffins, all waiting for food stamps. Birds can't use food stamps. Loot stamps. Birds can't use any kind of stamps. They're illiterate, like the paper boy. What if they're sending airmail? Fuck. In Braille. To Johnny Quest. <laughs> Send me back my Edgeoscotch! Wait, I'm sorry I shouted. Are we done? Rip headphones users. Is this it? Are we done? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been an Aliku Studios podcast. You can find more of our shows and our other content at alikustudios.net. 
You can find the show in iTunes and the Zune Music Store. We would be appreciative if you wanted to give us a review and a rating. You can send us feedback at podcast at elikustudios.net. If you want to send us messages or talk with other fans, you can do so on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Tumblr. Yep. Eliku Studios. Buy it. You can't buy it. (laughs) If you want to play some videos or even take a break or eat a sandwich. (laughs) If you want to mine some minerals. Well, you need to mine more minerals. What about the top five list?